This is the Traversityist. I'm Gretchen Carr, creator, producer, and host. I invite you to join me on an exploration of regional culture in and around Traverse City, Michigan. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. Be sure to check out our previous episodes. You can listen at TraverseCityist.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're also invited to join our following on Instagram. For over a century, artists have come to the Traverse City region for inspiration. In that time, we have become the home of multiple arts organizations, galleries, and prominent independent artists. The National Center for Arts Research lists Traverse City as one of the most vibrant arts communities in the country. But some feel we are not quite there yet. And we need to have more art of all mediums in our public spaces. What does Traverse City's public art say about who we are as a community and as a culture? The Traverse Cityist is brought to you by McMillan's Custom Framing, located at 322 South Union in Old Town, Traverse City. With over 35 years of framing experience, it's easy to see why McMillan's is your place where creativity begins with imagination. Stop in and see what your friends and neighbors are talking about, or see us on the web at macmillansframing.com. The Association for Public Art defines public art as follows. What distinguishes public art is the unique association of how it is made, where it is, and what it means. Public art can express community values, enhance our environment, transform a landscape, heighten our awareness, or question our assumptions. Placed in public sites, this art is there for everyone, a form of collective community expression. One of the most prominent pieces of public art in Traverse City sits in a quiet park. Todd McMillan, shares the background of the piece and its significance. Uh, my name is Todd McMillan. I own McMillan's Custom Framing. I've been framer now in Traverse City for about 35 years. Uh, I am one of the founders of the Art Walk, and the Art Walk, of course, led to awareness in public art, and that led to a Traverse City Arts Commission. And we're sitting today in Lay Park, which is actually across from my store, which is quite ironic. The, um, the piece that we're looking at is done by um, Godfrey DeWitt, it's called Enspire. It is uh, the Brian Crow Memorial, which of course Brian Crow is a personal friend of mine. It is, I think the best way to describe it is it's representative of his tenure as the DDA director. It is uh, literally, we call it a placemaking piece. As you can look at it, there's a number of pieces that come together and create a collective. And what's neat about this piece is that it's actually in the shape of a gazebo. So it's, it brings people into it. Um, it has been a real pleasure to watch people engage with it. I have seen weddings here. I've seen uh, prom pictures taken here. When Haggerty was all engaged, uh, they would all come out here and come and do lunch. We, the neighborhood, has often thought of sneaking up and covering it in lights at Christmas time and make it look like a big Christmas ornament. It's been referred to as the morale mushroom. Uh, but what's nice is it was the most significant and first piece that was set by the Traverse City Arts Commission.
The Traverse City Arts Commission states in their master plan that public art can welcome people to town, mark a town center, or provide shade or a resting place in a park. Some public art can be situated in high traffic areas, especially places frequented by pedestrians. Other common sites include major public buildings, neighborhoods, schools, senior centers, libraries, police and fire stations, and town centers where people walk and gather. It also can be infused into architectural elements of both new and existing buildings. Mary Bevins Gillette, Executive Director of the Northwest Michigan Arts and Culture Network, shares the origin of the Traverse City Arts Commission, of where she also served as its first chair. You know, in 2014, the city of Traverse became committed to writing an arts ordinance. The arts ordinance created the Arts Commission. The need for it was prompted because of great interest, but also there had been perhaps some missteps or you know, community, uh, good community efforts to bring some significant pieces of public art to the area. And as with anything that goes on in community building, there's a group that thinks one way and another group that thinks another, <laughs> and perhaps a third group that has yet another opinion. But as a result, I, I think that did help prompt the need to have kind of some set guidelines and have a process because in the past they hadn't had a process to bring public art to the area. The Traverse City Arts Commission also defines public art as artwork located in the public realm regardless of whether it is situated on public or private property and whether it is acquired through public or private funding. Public art is art with a social purpose of creating rich landscapes that reflect our history, embrace and honor our cultural differences, inject a sense of play, and create a sense of civic pride or ignite our own creativity. Most of us can agree that our physical environment is a work of art on its own, which requires our ongoing stewardship. Shani Brook, owner of Higher Art Gallery, sees this as a common denominator that binds us all together. I think one thing I think that defines us a lot is we are very concerned about the environment and our water and our, you know, our beautiful surroundings. I think that's definitely you know, something that's important to most of us, people that live in the area. Despite the abundance of natural beauty all around us, Shani longs to see more human expression in the form of public art, especially murals. It's, it's just an amazing feeling to me. To me, it provides a warmth, a feeling of warmth when you are entering a place that you've never been and you see these large statements on public buildings. I don't it's know. inviting. It is, yeah. And sometimes I feel that even with all of our beauty, natural beauty and things like that, I, it sometimes feels a little sterile here. While the Traverse City Arts Commission is only nine years old, public art has been placed in public places much longer than that. In recent years, more business owners have decided to pay artists to create works on their places of business, such as exterior walls or entrances. In the June 2023 issue of American Art Collector, Traverse City is featured in a short article called 
The Art Lover's Guide to Collecting Fine Art in the Midwest. The article describes Traverse City as a vibrant, art-centric city with a variety of art offerings that can hold its own against any metropolis in the country. When Shani thinks of public art, one artist comes to mind. The first thing, and I don't even know that it's, I guess it's public art because it's outdoors for the public to see. I think of all the M. Randall murals that are like everywhere. They're at the farmer's market, at the Little Fleet, you know, facing the street. I think of a lot of her things. And I think of... And those are on private buildings, uh, commissioned by individuals. Yes. But... But for the public to see. Yes, right. And I have two outside the gallery, like facing outside, um, that I commissioned her to make. Before the Arts Commission, the roots of the Traverse City art scene can undoubtedly be traced to Paul Welch, the founding director of the Fine Arts Department at Northwestern Michigan College. Energy is the key to keeping the arts front and center in our community. Paul credits energy to the reason we have the Denos Museum. Helen Milliken wrote me a letter and said, it's a great idea, and, you know, let's get together. And, and you know, that's, that happened. We got together and got a committee and we started talking about a museum. And of course the Denosans came to, but a lot happened. There was a lot of energy. You gotta have the energy. When Paul launched the Fine Arts Department in 1964, Classes were held in the basement of one of the original buildings on campus. In 1972, the new Fine Arts Building was completed, but it wasn't just any building. It was designed by the famed Bauhaus architect Walter Gropius. Glenn Wolfe, artist and instructor at the Fine Arts Department, recalls his early days as a student in that building. I, I took a class, started taking classes in the building right after it opened uh, when I was just out of high school, even when I was still in high school. So it was the first place that I made art outside of my bedroom um, at home. So it, it sort of just informed me, you know, what, what a dedicated space could be about. And it was so, you know, so beautiful. So it, I think it just made me conscious of the, you know, the need for an artist to have a dedicated uh, space to make art whenever possible and I think that's what's I think that's what's great about um, the students being in there too is just the feel of the building knowing that that building was made solely you know for the purpose of creating. Glenn and his colleague Rufus Snoddy have the honor of guiding student artists at the college but they voice their concern for making sure we remain a community that can keep young creative energy here. We're old guys, and you know, we've enjoyed a lot of work and commissions in the area. And when Rufus and I painted the mural on the back of the um, that building on Cass, we had a, we had two students that were working with us that were just incredible, mm-hmm. great artists mm-hmm. in their twenties, and um, Logan Hudson, Logan Hudson, and, Hudson. And, and and Kaya Anderson. Kaya Anderson. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Kaya, our you know, our goal was like we just hoped that the TARP people would reach out to them, and they have to Kaya, so she'll be doing a mural this summer. Right next to ours. Next to ours. Yeah. And I think Which that's, we just, you know, if you go to a lot of events and stuff, there's there's lots of people our age, but... A lot of gray hairs. Yeah, we want, <laughs> we want the next gen. We want, 
But I would say that in general in Traverse City, it's like we need to honor the youth a little bit more here instead of scaring them away. <laughs> it's like we scare yeah. the youth, young people out of here in so many different ways. How? By, you know, creating uh, situations where they can't live here. You know, it's like it's too expensive for them to stay here. Uh, the rent's too high. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the events, a lot of things like I'm saying, a lot of the things that happen here, they're not that inclusive of young people. It's like it's the same old people doing the same thing. Like, you know, I happen to be one of those people, but I would love to have more situations where there's some Logans and some guys have that have the spotlight instead of like some, you know, these older folks. Rufus casually notes that one has to go looking for artists and art in this town. But the thing that I would say about a lot of them is that um, they need a they need more visibility through whatever means because it's 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 typical of what I my feelings of this place since I first came here it's like yes there are a lot of incredible artists working here in Traverse City or working in this area nobody knows them you know they're they're like you know, you know them if you're running around in a certain kind of group. But I mean, in terms of the, the public needs to know these people. When you're talking about public art, the public needs to know these people. They're very, you know, they're very important people in terms of the culture here, I think, especially the future of the culture here. While many artists have depicted what they see in Traverse City's physical environment, Rufus sees himself as a different kind of landscape painter. I'm just trying to reflect what I see in my environment, much like the landscape painter, <laughs> except that I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in be, the what I see in terms of human behavior, and how you know what's going on with the people who inhabit the environment, you know, and and how that, how that I translate that. I feel like. I feel like I'm some I'm a I'm a psychosocial mirror of the environment, the humanity in my environment. I don't know if I mean I guess some people are attracted to that, but I don't know if they are. I don't I see I don't know if that work is like if the public here is open to that kind of work. What kind of work is the public open to in Traverse City? Again, Rufus expounds with Glenn Wolf is, you know, this place could be a lot more diverse and it could do things to attract more diversity. Um, but also just in the selection of the kind of work, you know, the kind of work that you see out in public, it's not that challenging. You know, it's, it's, it's nice work, but a lot of it is just not that challenging in terms of, you know, just the, the diverse culture that exists in the world. So I feel like it's a little bit, sometimes it becomes a little bit insulated. We become, we, we're a little bit insulated here. And I think the culture in general, in general is a little bit insulated, isolated from a lot of places, a lot of things that are going on in other places. Like you go to Detroit, um, Ann Arbor, or any of these other cities, 
and you see these incredible murals all over the place that are just, you know, it's just lively and it's like a lot of things happening. You got to search for stuff like that when you come here. Where do you find, um, so what piece? You got to go walking on the Tart Trail. Walk on the Tart Trail, <laughs> under the Clinch Tunnel. Right, under the, <laughs> right, it's all hidden. You know, you got to really search for it. Yeah. And That's, before that, what's there now was Lois, Lois Beardsley. Lois Beardsley's piece was also in the tunnel? Uh, yeah, d when I was, you know, when right. I was young, it was, it, it faded and they kind of, I don't think, I don't know if there was anything done to preserve or restore that, but then the new piece went over that, so I think that was, it might be worth investigating how that happened. Yeah. Um, Artist Jamie John, a graduate of Interlochen Arts Academy, loves the sculptures on the college campus, but wonders if some people know if these works are actually in our community. I feel like there's an incongruity in between, you know, we want to portray ourselves or we, we build ourselves up to be, you know, this arts-focused community or this arts-focused place, but I don't know if the, I don't know how many people are like stopping to look at equilibrium or to, are stopping to look at a David Barr sculpture or like thinking about like, oh, what if there was something here in this um, to enhance or to bring more people in? For Jamie, an early influence was an experience with the late Barbara McIntyre, a pioneering art therapist. Some of the first work created by Jamie is still visible at the Children's Garden located behind the Travers Area District Library on Woodmere. I lost my grandfather, Raymond John, at about six years old. And that's when my, my mom made the decision to put me in some grief counseling. So traditional counseling wasn't really working out, but I was able to attend this joint art making and plant uh, gardening planting grief workshop sort of with with Barbara McIntyre being the the facilitator for that. Art has become my life. Like I don't have many friends because this is all that I do. I'm I'm in the studio or I'm thinking about things or I'm I'm writing proposals or but this is my like this is my life. I don't know what I would do without it. So the stuff at the library to both Barbara and my my early um, roots as a as a young grieving child trying to figure out how to express what I was feeling. I I would be painting with other kids. We would be talking about the people that we lost, whether it was a grandparent or an aunt or um, or a friend that we had lost. So being able to discuss loss with other people and to paint rocks or do weaving or plant marigolds was like the beginning of a journey that hasn't really stopped that has taken me so many other places. Jamie just completed a mural along the side of the Shiawassee Bridge in her state capital of Lansing. Jamie also has new work featured in the gallery space at the new Common Grounds building on 8th Street. 
Jessica Koyman Parker serves as the curator for Common Grounds. As visual curator here at Common Grounds, I um, am super excited to be able to sort of like create a space in which art is a priority and it has value and the artists have value and using that as sort of a, a stepping stone as an example of how we can integrate art into our lives in a more powerful way in this community specifically. So yeah, I think expanding out from here along 8th Street is absolutely possible. And I am going to work really hard to make that happen. <laughs> I can tell you that. Jessica recently moved here with her family, and she has invested a significant amount of time assessing the state of public art in Traverse City. We just, I mean, my general feeling about it is we just need more. I also feel like we need more time and support and energy um, towards it. You know, I mean, there's only so much the Arts Commission can do with the limited amount of time that they have. Um, so we need more people that are interested in helping. Um, you know, we need more businesses to say, hey, my building is available. I would love to have art on my building, you know, and how do I make art on my building work? You know, can you help me? Is that the commission? Is that me? Is that whoever? It doesn't, you know, I just want to see it happen, you know. Um, For Jessica, engaging the audience is a critical aspect of public art. In my practice, I try to consider the artists, you know, first and foremost, but just below that is the audience and how can the audience engage in this away, in a way that's really valuable? Um, how can I teach the audience something each time? How can, how can I get them to be more curious about the artist and the artist's life? Um, you know, how do I reward their curiosity? That's public art right there, you know? I mean, you can walk around and walk past something seven times and then the day that you actually see one little thing, you're like, oh, whoa! I never noticed that was there. And you get like a little reward, you know, and it feels so good. That's the type of thing that you can um, really build an audience with that comes back time and time again because they have those good experiences. North of Traverse City in Leelanau County is the new Tucentuck. Named for an expression of thankfulness, the Tucentuck Foundation nourishes artists by giving them a place to work, engagement opportunities to enrich the culture of Northwest Michigan, and a platform to share their work internationally. I went to visit the space situated just north of Leland. On the day of my visit, founder and director Jeffrey Peckham had just welcomed their latest artists in residence. Right now we have an artist, Hong Hong, who's come to make large sheets of paper that's colored, but it's made from Lake Michigan water and she's adding uh, mulberry bark and all this local kind of debris into it. And then it's ripped up and formed into abstract, I call them landscapes, but they're huge. And they're so beautiful and they're going in corporate lobbies and in museums and people are purchasing them. but. She's really hitting her stride. I mean, after we gave her this residency uh, a year and a half ago, and now things are really taking off for her young career. She's now, she's in her early 30s, maybe, yeah. Maggie Pavio, assistant director at Tucentuck, is excited to facilitate an exhibit of Hong's work this coming summer in Traverse City. Yeah, this work that Hong Hong is doing, it's connected to the community and to the environment and that she's using these local products. But she does this every summer in, in different locations. So 
these, this body of work is, you know, has a through line, like you can see similarities between each place that she goes, but the work that she creates here will be very unique to this mm -hmm. community and, and we'll show it at Common Grounds at the end of her residency, so hopefully the community can get to see it then. <laughs> Uh, and, and maybe they'll even recognize those like leaves and the debris that is found in the, in the environs here. Tusintak is a functional making place with studios that provide artists with space to imagine and create their work. That's what we ask artists to do is to give us something that is, is beautiful and inspiring and uh, gives us maybe something that you can't really put into words. I mean, you can't put a Beethoven material into words. It just is what it is. But I don't think Beethoven was thinking about his community when he, uh, when he composed that. So, again, not to be a contrarian, I like the idea we're all in this together. We are. Mm -hmm. And art gives us that connection. Mm -hmm. But for the individual artist to have to subscribe to a, um, like a regional set of rules, everywhere I go I have to uh, satisfy this audience, that's, that's not fair. No. Since the establishment of Tusintuck, Jeffrey has shared his artistic vision with other members of the Traverse City Arts community and asks an important question. What about architecture? I mean, this city is, is kind of a, um, has turned its back on, on the idea of having really, really great architecture. and something that isn't, can, it can be more inspiring than what we have. And talking to the architects that, that live here, um, they see this too, and it's just kind of a, a sad picture. Why hasn't the investment been made in the, in the landscape that we have, uh, especially around the lake, that we're trying to make it into a public area? Regarding public art, Jeffrey thinks it is vital that a community and the community leaders keep an open mind. I'd like to see more of it, obviously. Um, one idea I've had is that you know, typically sculptures or art is installed and it's there for a very, very long time. Why not move it around? Um, mix it up. That it doesn't have to be permanent in one spot. It can, if you're walking along, you see something different that wasn't there uh, six months ago. And that sculpture has been moved somewhere else. Would that um, hurt people's expectations because they always want to see the same thing or they want to share it and bring their friends over and all of a sudden it's gone? But at the same time, mixing things up and surprising people uh, with new art and art that changes, sometimes it's dated and it's time to move the piece somewhere else or to replace it. Uh, it doesn't have to be there all the time, but that takes a real innovative spirit in terms of um, whoever's planning this from a community standpoint, so that they continue to be open to new ideas and that they're continually searching for new artwork and new commissions are given, and it's just not like once and done, but it's an ongoing program. It's almost like you know the, the, the TSO giving us a uh, Yes, some of the classical music that we readily hear all, uh, in different places and or hear again and again, but they also mix it up and give us new stuff so that we've never heard and bringing in artists that are incredible. That uh, it's really a, 
I think that is the innovative spirit of this area too. I mean, think of all the new types of entrepreneurial businesses that are here, whether it's the wine industry or the um, microbrews, brewing industries, or, or different aspects of tourism that are being developed. Um, having art, an art program that really responds in a way that gives people something new and fresh to come visit over and over again. I mean, that to me would be an ideal public arts program. Art can and does indeed surprise us. Public art lifts our spirits and in between those structures that are dedicated to art making like Tusintuck and the NMC Fine Arts Building lie the open spaces, trails, small parks, and large walls. Like Rufus Snotty says, you sometimes have to go looking for the art. Liam Berrigan is a local inkwash landscape painter. He uses his background in Chinese art as a jumping point to analyze overlooked aspects of Traverse City culture. Most recently, he stumbled upon a mural he had never seen before. And I think it's the mural is particularly fascinating because of how it exactly works and what it says about the region and also what the artist decided to include in this um, landscape. Um, it's, very, it's very much imaginary. It's um, composed of elements that we um, recognize as very much a part of what makes the Traverse City landscape unique, you know, barns, um, uh, fields of orchards, that kind of stuff, uh, the dunes, uh, but it arranges that into a composition that um, you couldn't get anywhere, you couldn't go any, to any place and see this landscape. Uh, with. And so I think it's very uh, interesting in that way. Uh, the mural was made by Suzanne S. Wilson in 2003, and it's located uh, on the side of the LIAA building um, on, in the Munson Corridor on 324 Munson Avenue, right across the street from the Best Western. Suzanne Wilson is a graphic artist living in Traverse City. She shares the same name of the late Suzanne Stupka Wilson, the pioneering watercolor artist and environmentalist. Land Information Access Association is the building that it's painted on. I had originally worked for this company under Joe Vandermulen, and uh, he had mentioned that you know he wanted to um, to have a mural painted on the side of the building because uh, he, as savvy director as he was, uh, he um, knew about zoning ordinances, and because that's what Leah does, it helps the local units of government, or they did at least when I was working with them. Uh, Leah helps them um, develop uh, better land use decisions based on mapping with GPS. Uh, now, you know, when it came upon, it was like in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, you know, internet was, they didn't have the maps digitized as much. So that's where Leah came into play. And he wanted something on the side of the building to uh, convey what we did. He saw it as opportunity to, hey, let's highlight, you know, this area and show land use development going from an urban area in Trevor City to, you know, out into the outskirts and just try to, you know, convey, you know, how that bleeds over or into uh, farmlands and 
nature areas. So actually we didn't finish the mural. We had another section of it, ran out of time and resources and everything else. We were trying to put two uh, city planners up there with maps. So it would pull everything in together and, and did not get to that point in time. Liam points out that this mural features one aspect that he's never seen in any landscape painting. Uh, we come across construction vehicles that are um, excavating these large mounds of dirt. And what we get here is a sense of um, that the town, that this community is expanding outwards, that these um, construction vehicles are probably building new neighborhoods on the kind of outskirts of town. And I find that really, really cool because the development of new neighborhoods around Traverse City is something that is going on. And, it, you know, it's happening, you know, sort of on the fringes in these new developments of, of the town. But I've never seen a painting depict that uh, before. This is the first image that I've actually seen of uh, the kind of new growth that's happening outside of town on the fringes. Growth. Indeed, Traverse City is growing. Artist Lindy Bishop recognized the need for art in one prominent public space, the Traverse City Airport. Her art hangs in the main terminal. I wrote uh, an inquiry and with the proposed idea of doing, um, you know, paintings of destinations versus here. Uh, and it kind of flipped around a little bit <clears throat> where I think they had the open mindset along with uh, the, the CFO, Mark Bishop, and Kevin invited me in to talk about my ideas. And they were like, we're with you. We really think we should promote where you want to go. In fact, we have 17 nonstop destinations and all oh, that'd be awesome. But they went from there to, um, uh, they asked me to put together a proposal and that went before the, the airport board and went through their building and grounds commission. And it came back like, yeah, you know what? This is a good time. We just got the Biden infrastructure grant to add two new terminals in the next five years. And we just attended this huge uh, airport executive uh, seminar where the subject was art at airports. And so it's sort of like the climate had shifted from no, we are, a, you know, a, a prairie style, Frank Lloyd Wright architectural building. We really don't want to fuss it up with art to maybe this is a good time to consider it. In addition to the airport, Lindy thinks of public art in a broader sense. There, there's three other things in terms of public art. One is some people will never step foot into a museum. They just never will. And so I think... It, one thing we underestimate or overlook in terms of public art is when artists are actually um, outside painting, plein air painting. Yes. Um, and how that brings, it brings a connection to people who would probably never go even into an art gallery because they're exposed to an artist doing their work. Um, and, and it's almost like a, a happy circumstance that they stumble upon, you know, an artist working. I, I work a lot out in, the agricultural areas here and it's the interactions I have with people are just amazing sometimes when they stop by some of them are really comical but um I thought you know the big planar event that Crooked Tree does every year now is really a public art exhibit in a way but it's like sprinkled all over town over a week and I think that connection is is really a nice public art thing to include when we talk about public art and then the other thing is because of the pandemic, 
Um, and our uh, the hospitals uh, have, you know, they've always been pretty good about having art, but hospitals have kicked it up over the last three years in terms of art and hospitals. And part of that is because the pandemic. I, I'm pretty sure that that's an after effect. Um, and they've done a really decent job, depends on when the hospitals were built. But as an artist uh, during the pandemic, that demand uh, for art and hospitals was really accelerated. And that's a very important public place because people are going there for the community. Community is healing when they go to a hospital. So that intersection of public, uh, public art, even though it's in a private institution in some cases, although a hospital is publicly owned, but where you have public art that is helping to heal, I think it's in a really important part of the health of a community. But the other thing is um, because we are, you know, have a lot of tourism and a lot of tourism room capacity, hotels, Airbnbs, uh, but primarily hotels, I think uh, the interior of our hotels is a real is really public art. Continuing on the theme of growth, another public space that has seen rapid expansion is our trail system. Caitlin Early manages the Art on the Tart program with the Travers Area Recreation Trail. There's just a lot of opportunity uh, to incorporate not only um, public art in the form of like trailside sculpture, but also, and perhaps more importantly, um, different design elements and trailside amenities, like bringing in some interestingly designed and artfully thought out benches and trash cans, amenities that are already there that make our lives easier, um, but you know that have so much more potential um, to really focus also on highlighting the incredible design work. I mean, Michigan as a state is known as, right? Like we have like the big three still in Grand Rapids, um, but this just like incredible history of design and manufacturing. And how can we showcase that in Travers knowing that, you know, a lot of the lumber actually came down the Boardman and right out there to get loaded on and go down. And so that would be just be a really fun opportunity as well. I think 8th Street has a lot of potential, especially in the sort of recent rebirth of 8th Street and the um, different sort of mobility, uh, multimodal efforts that have been going on there, um, knowing that, you know, with the North Boardman Lake District sort of wanting to showcase itself as a healthy district, a healthy 8th Street, in my mind, health and art uh, are inseparable. Um, so, you know, elevating that, maybe turning that into an arts district, arts corridor. So how we can have different ideas there, maybe bridge it into the Boardman Lake Art Loop, the efforts that are ongoing there into that corridor would be super fun and just incredible, I think, for the citizens of Traverse City and visitors. Speaking of recreation, the latest public art installation in Traverse City will be revealed in the coming months. For Emily Modrill, an archaeologist and historian, her daily run along the trail sparked a big idea. I spent a long time walking and running along the bay and noticed this funny white concrete object at West End Beach and finally stopped and read the little plaque at some point and it says uh, Old Indian Trail Cadillac to Traverse City and I thought what what? <laughs> there was a trail and it went from Cadillac to Traverse City and old Indian, you know, has 
has anyone else noticed this thing? <laughs> and what does it mean? Is there an explanation somewhere? And so then I was sort of off and running, you know, I... When researching the Travers Area Historical Society's archives, Emily learned that a man named Frank Edobagishik, a member of the Little Travers Bay Band of Adawa Indians, installed the markers. As a part of the Michigan sesquicentennial, he finished marking that particular trail. It had been marked from Cadillac to Buckley, and he marked it from Buckley to Traverse City. And there are some great photos in the, the Traverse City Library photo collection of Frank and other people with their shovels and pickup truck, just like out digging holes. Um, to put these things in the ground. And interestingly, the city of Traverse City does not have a record of permits or processes that led to those things being put in the ground. I think it was more of a handshake agreement that got those things in the ground. Emily saw these trail markers as a way to tell a story through art and history and proposed a project to the Travers Area Historical Society, who agreed to act as the project's fiscal sponsor. The proposal, as written by Emily, states, The Kichi-Wikwidong Anishinaabe History Project's mission is to elevate the presence and awareness of local indigenous history, culture, and language in Traverse City and Leelanau County communities. To that end, the primary goal of the project is to create and install new signage at highly visible and historically significant sites in Traverse City and Leelanau County municipalities. All planned signs, nine total, across two counties at present, will be placed near known Anishinaabe overland trails and or near lakes or rivers. The Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians Tribal Council has reviewed and supports the project. The tribal government's culture services language instructors will provide text translation so that all signs are bilingual. Anybody who contributes to this project, wherever possible, needs to be Anishinaabe, such that the decisions that are being made about the real substance of this work are being made by Anishinaabe people. Um, and the door, I made it very clear to the Grand Traverse Band Tribal Council that the door was wide open to anybody from the tribal government or the community uh, who wanted to have an opinion about this or, or put time and effort into it. And then the other rule was that anybody who put time and effort into this project would be compensated as a consultant or as a, a you know a business that was doing work for the project. So the grant funding up until now has been used for that. And um, from this point forward, a lot of the grant funding will go to the fabrication and installation of the signs. And that is far and away the biggest expense that the project has. The signs have their own significance. They were designed by Chris Cornelius, an Anishinaabe Oneida Nation architect and designer, who is the chair of architecture at the University of New Mexico's School of Architecture and Planning. The signs look like angular, multifaceted boulders and represent the timeless history of the Anishinaabek in this region. Funding for this project 
was obtained through several grants. Uh, let's see. There are grants from Rotary Charities and a nonprofit in Minnesota called the Indian Land Tenure Foundation and the Michigan Humanities Council and um, the Community Foundation and Haggerty's Corporate Giving Program. And I think that's the list. I've just put three more applications in and hopefully that gets the project across the finish line. The Kichi Wikwidong Anishinaabe History Project's first installation is slated for September 2023. These new pieces of art demonstrate hospitality, art, and culture, which honor the spiritual roots of a people and their way of life. It makes me think of the famous Camino de Santiago, a network of trails which leads to a shrine and cathedral in Galicia, Spain. The trail attracts hikers, cyclers, and organized tour groups from all over the world. Look at what the Camino de Santiago has done for northwestern Spain. Imagine what the Kichi Wikwidong Anishinaabe project can do for northwestern Michigan and Traverse City. As we observe the growth of Traverse City, it is evident that our creative energy and ideas are growing at an even faster rate. How can our artists influence that innovation and growth? It seems that they are doing that right now. I'm Gretchen Carr. Thank you for listening to The Traversityist. The Traversityist was brought to you by Macmillan's Custom Framing, located at 322 South Union in Old Town, Traverse City. With over 35 years of framing experience, it's easy to see why Macmillan's is your place where creativity begins with imagination. Stop in and see what your friends and neighbors are talking about, or see us on the web at macmillansframing.com.